Full transparency. I understand the world better than anyone. There's sounds in the sky. The rapture is coming. Yeah. There's lizard people out there. We had a shop in Mormon when we lived in Mormon. Our family was in Mormon. Full fists are swinging by my face. I'm like, and then he would just kind of go on these little rants or tangent, tangent, whatever the word is. Nothing that's great in life is is easy, you know? Yeah. There's a nice quote that I feel like you're on your way to say. <laughs> so, welcome. <laughs> Thank you. Um, let's get into the run talk. Yeah. Um, What's new, eh? I The running podcast. So I did I did my hey. 10K last week. I was going to ask you about you that. You did 29K last week. Yeah. How was it? Um, first, so you did your 10K. Do you remember what time you got? Do you know how... Because I know you had a decent pace. It was like 5.23 was my pace, I think. Do you know how long it took you? Like 53 minutes. Okay. Yeah. So it's a good pace. Man, I was just talking to Dustin Cooper this morning. He just is like, he's like, oh, I got a run in this morning. And he said that he was like a, like a decent runner. At least he liked to run like, I don't know if it was in high school or something. But anyway, he's like, yeah, I got a run in. And I'm like, oh, nice. So yeah, I did 10K in 40 minutes. And I was like, 40 minutes? I was like, I'm pretty sure, like, I don't know numbers like that well, but I was like, I'm pretty sure that's a very good time. Like very good. And he was like, yeah, yeah. Like I messaged my buddy and I was like, Hey, like I just did this 10 K like, and he sent him like, you know, and like the app shows you what your run is and what your time is. And I guess his buddy was like a good runner. And he's like, bro, that's like, if you went to like sign up for a 10 kilometer race, you'd probably be on the podium at that, at that rate. Like elite runners will do like, um, 34 to 38 minutes, like elite male <laughs> runners. And little Dustin Cooper's just fucking hauling. And that's like legit. I'm pretty sure, man, like he's got good cardio. Like he's, he's like, he pushes hard, man. So I wouldn't doubt it. Yeah. But yeah, I was like, man, you're clipping. Like that's, that's like four twenty four minutes and 20 seconds a kilometer or like something like that. Yeah. It's fast. That's intense. Cause with my pace, I was, I wasn't conscious. Like I wasn't aiming to have, you know, focus just on my pace, but I only hit record when I started running. And I pressed stop as soon as I hit 10K and stopped running. So there was yeah. no walking. I was going the whole time. I was keeping a decent pace, but I couldn't have done much better. Like I could probably shave five minutes off that, I'm sure, you know? Yeah. But yeah. 40, man, that's intense. It's a good pace. Yeah. But yeah, so anyway, the 29 kilometers, I'm not doing that kind of pace. Like I, yeah. and, and it's something I really have to make sure that I do come marathon time because <laughs> we're getting close. I have to start slow. Yeah. Like that's such a key factor, man. I cannot just start out of the gate and yeah. get like an adrenaline dump. Everyone's all excited. You know, people are cheering and shit. Really? I just have to control like in my head. I'm like, fuck all this noise, man. Just, yeah. it's just, you're by yourself. Just fucking run, start slow and just gradually pick up the pace. And it's where that saying comes from. It's not a race. It's a marathon, but that's legitimately what you're doing. A hundred percent, man. It's a marathon. Cause yeah, you start out too quick. Your heart rates through the roof. My yeah. legs like tighten up yeah like i noticed like once you hit like 20 kilometers and up your legs just like they just turn into cement like i felt like my legs were so like rock hard as i'm running and i'm like man this is like rank see that's with me too like this um this 10k run first of all i was amazed by the nose breathing man like because i've done it before i'll even try doing the you know jujitsu warm-ups at the gym to just breathe inhale and exhale through my nose and it's hard you start to get that suffocation feeling but through this run and i don't really remember the first part of it it might have i might have hit some you know tough spots but for the last few kilometers i remember just breathing in and out of my nose Mm. um inhale through nose exhale through nose mouth shut like i could at when i hit click at the end of that 10k i could have done a speech like i was not out of breath Mm. the lungs felt great but um I yeah, the legs, the yeah. legs, like legs. you can feel the muscle and I could have went more. I was planning to do no more than 10 K, Yeah, but yeah, it's the muscle and the legs. That's like, man, yeah. my legs are getting sore. That's what half the marathon training is. I yeah. think, I think it's just getting your body used to the impact, Yeah, you know, getting yeah. your knees, ankles, hips, the muscles, getting that all, all used to it. Yeah. Um, but yeah, the heart rate thing, I'm, so the one run I did was, um, it was 25 kilometers mm-hmm. and I think I posted my my heart rate zones 
And I was in like zone five for like an hour and 40 minutes or something like that. Yeah. So like That's like redlining? Yeah, not all at once, but just like throughout, throughout the two and a half hour run yeah. for an hour and a half or more, I was in Down. zone five. Down. So like I'm my heart's working. Yeah. This last run where I was doing 29 kilometers at a faster pace, mm-hmm. my heart, I, did, I hardly touched zone five. Hmm. I was in zone four almost the whole time. Like I, I think I touched zone five for like two or three minutes. And the reason I did my long run that day is because I woke up with my resting heart rate at 50 and a 92% recovery, mm, which is nice. super rare for me. Yeah. So I'm like, it's run day. I got to yeah. go. Yeah. You know, yeah. and the whoop strap even said it. It's like, Hey, like you're, you're at like a really good recovery. Heart rate's low. Your, um, HRV <laughs> is really good. Like today's a good day to push. Yeah. So I'm like, okay, I'm going to, I'm hmm. going to push it. And so you're trying to stay in the zone three as much as you can. Is that how what you're trying to do or just as long as you're not in zone on the recovery runs you're supposed to be in like zone two but honestly man i don't know how like i don't know if it's just i don't have the discipline to walk (laughs) i think walking is zone two yeah you know like i I went for a recovery run and i'm zone three and four and i'm chilling i would run walk run walk yeah i don't know how you do that like if there's a certain technique for running to keep you at a lower zone like i don't know man you're supposed to just go very slow and stop often but aaron was like well given like what you do for work and your regular training like your like comfort comfort level is probably most people's very uncomfortable level like where i'm like in zone four and five even i'm kind of like this is just what training is yeah i don't know anything else yeah it's like the yin yoga thing where we're like this is what are we doing here yeah like we need to burn a little more we need to run a little higher yeah yeah so i don't know i'm sure i'm gonna learn a lot after this marathon you know maybe i'll i'll get more discipline as to um how to actually run slower to run faster yeah but i feel like with such a short amount of time and i was thinking about this you know the first month of training um like first month when i started for the marathon i was like i'm gonna run a marathon a week i wanted to do that just to like build some confidence and show that i can do it regardless of like what zone i'm in i just like i just need to put some work in i need to get miles in so that i'm like actually confident that my body can withstand a marathon yeah you know yeah um, so yeah, I'm trying to like play by the rules and like do some kind of running program while also just kind of like, I just, I'm just going to run. Yeah. We're getting down to the nitty gritty. Yeah. I just feel like I need to like that last 29 kilometer run. I needed to feel what it was like close to my marathon pace. And then after it was done being like, okay, if I add on another 13 kilometers to that, that's a marathon. Like, can you do it? It's 42. Yeah. Okay. I was thinking 46 for some reason. Okay. Yeah. 42 and a half. 26. Okay. Do you yeah. know, do you know, um, the history of why marathons are a marathon? No. Like why they're that long? No. It's kind of interesting. I think Taryn brought this up in the morning class one time. I was like, oh no shit. I never really thought about like, yeah, why did they just pick that number to run? And, um, she's fine. Okay. Um, so I Googled it too. And I guess he was, he was onto something. He was right. But apparently just you know hundreds of years ago there was a a battlefield called marathon and these persians had lost a war so they sent a greek messenger back to athens to inform them that the persians had lost and that distance from marathon battlefield to athens was (laughs) about 42 kilometers and buddy ran there as the messenger and apparently he like dropped dead (laughs) He died yeah. to like before he was able to like relay the message. <laughs> so I don't know. I don't know why someone was like, oh, like this is the ultimate challenge. Like if Buddy over here died, let's wow. just make that a race or something, That's, you know? Yeah. <laughs> so yeah. Can I, you imagine being a messenger? Like, you know, that, that quote, like don't shoot the messenger right. or that saying, it's like, there's some guys that's job was just to go relay the message because we don't have email right. and they get there. If the king doesn't like your message, they might just kill you yeah. or torture you. Well, I mean, look at the movie 300, <laughs> yeah. a perfect example. Hey, he like yeah. was sharp with his tongue and insulted the, the Spartan's wife. And then he just front kicks him. Into oh, his okay. That, that was the messenger. That's yeah, right. Yeah. Yeah. So, so how do you, so you planted a, a water with this one, right? Yeah. So you just drove by prior, yeah. hit a water bottle and then went back home. And, yeah. 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 Oh, I just, yeah. I, and it wasn't enough. Yeah. You know, I, I, I still, I needed way more, man. I passed that 20 kilometer mark. I just, I need more fuel. Yeah. You know, I, you just really need it. The, the last, you know, yeah. Nine K was like a battle. So is salt packs and electrolytes and water enough? Do you need to like chew a, 
carb bar or something like um yeah for the marathon i think they have like aid stations so they're gonna have they'll have like every i don't know i forget what somebody said like maybe every 10k or something they're gonna have tables with like gatorade water they'll probably have like some snacks there maybe like a banana but yeah i'm gonna i'm gonna hopefully have like some good amount of like fruit and but honestly mostly just liquid i don't know if i need food like i'll have my little sugar gels yeah but I, i just need more liquid I think in, like you said, in the few days prior, just carb up, Yeah. you know, and burn a lot of that fuel. Yeah. You know, I'm getting excited, man. It's getting, what day is it again? Sunday. It's the day after belt testing. So, so I'm not going to train May 28th. Okay. So I'm not going to train for belt testing. I'm just going to help Kurt coach. So kind of walk around maybe hold pads for people and stuff like that. Just make sure my body's like in tip top shape. hundred percent. Yeah. Bro, recovery wise that the ice bath. Uh, foam rolling and lacrosse ball those three things save the legs yeah right? yeah every time like i'll set a timer i think last time i did seven minutes in the cold bath after the run yeah and it just was like felt amazing after yeah yeah Damn. and, and it, so it's it's weird how it works like after because my legs were sore as hell and then the next day i did like squats i did a leg day it's funny how when you work your legs out after let's say a long run where your legs get fatigued your legs, it takes the soreness away. Right. You know? Yeah. It's just, it's like the more you work out, the less sore you get. Even if you work out when you're sore. Yeah. I, so I, I had to take Saturday off because I just was like, I, I felt, really <laughs> sniffing the mic. I just felt really depleted, man. I remember I got to the condo and I was like, I could hardly open my eyes. Cause I had Damn. so much swat, um, salt in my eyes. Yeah. And I just was like, hey, babe, can you... Can you run a tub for me? And my eyes are just like shut. Yeah. And I was like limping in the in the condo building. Like I could hardly walk. Damn. Even getting down the stairs, I was like, wow. I was wobbling. Ooh. And I just was like, man, this is rough. I yeah. even called her. Um, I had three kilometers left. And I'm like, hey, can you can you start the car and like start heading towards me? She's like, babe, I'm like literally in the middle of dying my hair. I'm like, okay. I was like, I'll get home. It's all good. So I just like wow. finished the run and I'm like, damn it. <laughs> I damn. could really use that ride home. Crazy. I just wanted to get off my legs, but yeah. Um, so, so how much, what, what was your cool down like after few kilometer walk? No, I, I did. I maybe half a kilometer. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So again, I just want to ask you a few things about this. So I'm sure some people may be more advanced runners when a marathon like this comes, they're focusing on pace do a lot of people they run maybe 10 15k and then they just walk some they yeah. hydrate up jog a bit walk some yeah because it's not a like you can walk if you want as much as you yeah. want it doesn't yeah, matter how long like it takes. a ref yelling at yeah you like, yeah <laughs> like, fucking run is there some people that literally maybe run five to 10k and then walk the rest and take like 10 oh, hours there's people that won't finish the marathon yeah yeah, yeah there's people yeah. that will start it and then they'll be like fuck this yeah. i'm going home is there a time limit like are yeah. they going to keep six the hours Oh, okay so, so the, it's not even that long yeah so yeah there's like a yeah if you don't make it within the six hours you are technically disqualified interesting yeah so you can't r- walk that much. like you can't walk the whole thing because you'll never make it no you could walk a lot though yeah yeah you could walk a lot and still do it you can, yeah you could run yeah, walk a little bit like some people yeah. will like you know run for whatever five minutes walk yeah. a minute run for yeah. five minutes walk a minute but i feel like i can run steady for 20 kilometers then i'll probably like need to like take a little break yeah. and then I'll run again. And, but after that 20 K, yeah, it's like, I, I got to stop every now and then I can man, tell my legs are like, Holy yeah. shit, man. But going back to that thing I posted, what I was telling you about my mom, that's where it really sets in, man. It's such a, such a mind fuck. My mom, when she, we went for that 2.6 kilometer run, like, you know, halfway through she's, she was like in the middle of running or I'm running next to her. And she's like, man, she's like, it sure is easy just to stop. Hey, like I, I can just feel that I want to stop, but she's like, I, I, I don't think I need to, but she's like, I want to. And all you have to do is stop. Yeah. Like that's it. And so when I'm like running, doing these longer runs that that's like literally the battle in your head is like, get away from the car. Um, the battle in your head is just like, you just stop. Just give your legs a break. Man, but then constant. the other, you know, it's like the devil and angel on your shoulder being like, no, don't stop. Yeah, stop. Just relax. It's so easy to stop. It's so easy. You can just stop. And especially when you're just like, let's say you're prepping for the marathon where there's, there's no ref, there's no coach, there's no crowd, there's nobody there but you. You just stop and give your legs a break. Yeah. But then like come performance day, like that's when it's, all, you know, it's going to show that you were stopping all the time. See, I think it'll be easier in that sense of the pressure of, you know, it'll be, 
it's more easy to stop when you're by yourself training. Yeah. But if there's other people around and this and that, you might be like, I can't, you know, it's almost like, I don't know. That's where I'm trying to win those battles when I'm like alone. Yeah. So it's like Pract- yeah. that compete how you practice kind of thing. Yeah. Like the last nine kilometers, I definitely stopped. Like there were times where I'm like, man, like if it was like a uphill, okay. like those like slight inclines, they look like mountains sometimes and your legs are just throbbing and you look and you're like, I don't know if I can make it up this hill. Yeah. Like let's power walk up this hill and then I'll run down, you yeah. know, shit like that. So that's an interesting thing because we talked about, you need to, you know, be smart about it. For example, you need to wear those kind of leggings so you don't get the chafing. Armpits, bro. Felt my armpits rank. Yeah, like yeah. chafing? Chafing, bad. What about eye protection for salt in your eyes? Like, is there, like... I, I had my shirt off and I was, like, trying to wipe the shit out of my eye. Yeah. But, yeah, eventually it just, like, yeah, it was hmm. just overwhelming. Yeah. So how, how do your lungs feel after that? Like, when you're done 29K? My lungs were fine. Like, I remember yeah. there were even moments where, like, man, my cardiovascular system is chilling right now. Like yeah. I said, I – oh, no, I didn't say it. But I – Maybe I did say it. The reason I did that run was um, not only because I had a really good like 92% recovery rate, but my resting heart rate dropped to 50. And so like I, I was like, okay, like my heart is very efficient right now. Let's go for a run. And I felt it during that run. Like yeah. even at 20, even right up until 29, I, it wasn't my lungs or my cardiovascular system. It was just my legs. Yeah. Just were like, yeah, felt like you could like, it was like concrete. Yeah. You know, just puffed up. Yeah, man. That's what, that's what the major battle is. Hey, just the physical aspect of it. Yeah. Knocking on the body. Yeah. Yeah. Bro. So I'm, so I'm reading this book born to run. Yeah. It's a really fun book. Actually, Scotty Gunn messaged me. It was like, I read that book years ago and he's like, it's really good. And Mm. I'm really enjoying it. It's just a fun story of like this kind of journalist slash like, runner who's like trying to he wants to keep running but his body's falling apart so he he hears about this tribe in mexico called the terra humera mm-hmm. i think that's how you pronounce it but they're just some tribe that have been known to just run even during like i don't know like when the aztecs had kings and shit they were like foot runners for the aztec kings and whatever so they're just like a history of runners And these people kept fleeing from like normal civilization. They were just like kept pushing away. They didn't want like what, you know, like this industrial world with like factories and shit. They literally just wanted to like farm and run. And these people are just crazy runners, man. And so I watched a film on them because I'm reading about them. So I'm like, oh, just check this, check this video. So this this a guy from America like wants to not exploit them, but he's like, man, the world needs to see these people. Like I want to see what these guys can do against like our Olympic athletes. Mm-hmm. Like these guys who don't even train, they don't understand the concept of training. They're not like trying to pace themselves. They don't have a certain finish line. They, they put rubber sandals on. And so they, they get like a car tire and they cut it and then they rip it to part, uh, rip it to pieces put it on the ground, they step their foot on it, and then they cut around their foot so it fits the shape of their foot, and they just tie it to their foot, and they'll run 100 miles, 200 miles on a rubber sandal. Like, nothing fancy. That's so crazy. And that's what this Olympic guy was saying. He's like, man, we got all our, like, like technologically advanced shoes and, like, sports drinks and all this shit, and these guys are out here doing a 100-mile race with rubber sandals, and the thing that they use to fuel themselves is just uh, ground um, ground corn mixed with water. So they just stir this muck up and they just kind of like drink. It's like this, their shake? Yeah. They just drink <laughs> this muck and that's wow. all they need. And they're wearing like little like skirts and like these, you know, like, like tribesmen wear. Um, but one of the things that I thought was really cool. Oh, yeah. And just to one other thing. Uh, apparently, I don't know what year it was like in the in the 80s or something. A Terra Humera woman was running, and she got just lost in her run and ended up in Kansas. Their dialect there is very unique. It's not like a typical Spanish, uh, you know. So it's like when you when you hear it, you're kind of like uh, Americans thought they're just speaking gibberish. Like she was losing her fucking mind. Mm. She got put in a sane asylum in a mental hospital for like 12 years. Typical Americans, eh? Oh my god! This person doesn't speak very normal. Come here for a sec. You take these meds and just sit in a cell for a while. You're clearly a lunatic. Could you imagine just being free as a bird on a run? You know, yeah. and now all of a sudden you're like on meds in a fucking hospital, Man. being like, "What is happening?" That's scary shit. Terrifying. Yeah. Man. 
that shit was really scary. Like yeah. how often that probably happened. Oh man. That's like the, that's like the most heartbreaking thing, like false imprisonments. Oh dude. Yeah. Um, but anyway, so one other thing and then we can get off the Terra Humera, but I just found them really fascinating. You know, the Leadville 100, have you heard of that before? Leadville 100. No. It's apparently like, like one of the toughest hundred mile races in the world. Um, because Leadville, Colorado, I think it's the highest city in America. So it's like up in the mountains. Mm. It used to be a really, um, uh, like prosperous mining town way up in the mountains. They would mine for a certain mineral that would help like armored tanks and submarines. So during the cold war, this Leadville was just booming. The cold war stopped and it just got crushed. It just became like a place where like ex-convicts would go to escape. And like, it was just kind of like a lot of fights, a lot of drinking, a lot of drugs, Mm -hmm. biker gangs, um, economy collapsed. They, they ended up uh, some crazy guy was like, we should do a hundred mile race here. Like, let's, let's try to like make this like a big thing so that it brings tourism here. And that's how we'll make our money and grow the economy Mm -hmm. again. So one of the ways they did that was they brought the Terra Humera in for the first time. They're like, Hey, we need to bring this tribesman in and make them compete against the, like America's best. And like, we'll blow this thing out of the water. We'll like, I'll get all these sponsorships. And yeah, sure enough, these guys went against like head to head with some like Olympic runners and some of America's best. Um, they beat them one year. So these like tribesmen with rubber shoes on with no training, first time in America, never been to Leadville, never trained in that kind of setting, ended up beating these like science projects of American athletes. Next, Rocky against the guy dude, in the lab. <laughs> yeah, it's kind of crazy, yeah. eh? But it's just interesting what like humans can do when you like it's like nobody told them what their limit was yeah. nobody told these tribes exactly. people where, where their yeah. cap was like oh you you can't do that like you got to train this way and you got to eat this and they're like we just run we're just gonna yeah. run a lot it's just like the people on these islands who just climb to the top of these palm trees and get coconuts right and we would look at that and be like that's impossible mm-hmm. how do you climb this pole that's 50 feet in the air right and they're just just like this and they just climb it up it's just part of their it's norm yeah yeah, I, I saw this. Uh, it was like a 98 year old woman just did a five kilometer uh, race. And I'm just like, man, like she's not listening to the norm. That's impressive. Like, and she, dude, she had a big smile on her face at the end. You could tell she's like, she goes like this, and then she just starts smiling and puts her hands on her hips and is just walking around That's being crazy. like, I'm a fucking gangster. And I was like, you are a gangster. That's like, crazy. 98 years old, yeah. man. That's in, like most people are dead. Yeah. You can't walk at that yeah. age. 5K is a good distance too. It's a good distance, yeah. man. That's intense. You would think because, yeah, at that age, your bones and joints are so brittle that that's, oh, it seems impossible. It's but, nuts, man. Yeah. It's, I remember one time I was listening to Lewis Howes and uh, he was talking to Wim Hof about breath and breathing and Wim Hof was trying to tell Lewis about all the magnificence that can happen, magnificent things that can happen through breathing and through breath. And Lewis asked him a question about eating and he's like, Oh no, there's this tribe, the breath breatharians. And like, they don't need to eat for like months. And Lewis is like, what? Like, what are you talking about? That's not humanly possible. He's like, no, like through breath work, like you just don't need to eat. And Lewis is just kind of like laughing, like, you can't just say shit like that. I know. Yeah. But you never know. Like there might be. Did a you ever tr- Google it? I wonder. Like, I never looked into it. I wonder, like, yeah. I wonder if there is a, you know, some group of people that practice breathing so much and they just fast fast for a long periods of time. You never know, man. Some of these tribes are super weird. They can do some incredible shit. It's crazy that people can hold their breath for seven, eight minutes. Yeah, like that's crazy. Yeah. And like, you know, I'm watching this film and these, these Terra Humera people running in the mountains in Colorado for the first time. And like for the, for the first part, it was in snow. So I don't know if they've ever seen snow before, or at least not ran in snow. So the, the event like sponsored them and gave them running shoes and they just hated them. As soon as they were out of the snow, they're like, give us our rubber sandals. Damn. Like we just want our rubber sandals. It seems like cutting you know, molding your foot out of a tire, that'd be such a good base for a shoe, right? It's like it drives on the road. It's, 
I mean, that's pretty much what a shoe is. Hey, it's just like a rubber sole. Yeah, but the, I think the yeah, I guess the only difference is like ours are like perfectly molded to our foot, and they totally. got arches, and they got all these like foot support and heel support, and you yeah. know, like fancy grips and running in any kind of a sandal, like no way. Yeah, it's crazy. Yeah. Speaking of Colorado, um, one championships coming to Denver. They did. Oh, they did. Was that the one that was just on the weekend? Yeah. Oh, that was the one in the states. Yeah. Ah, yeah, that makes sense now. Okay. Yeah. Man, did you listen to, uh, so the owner of one fighting championship, Shetri Sidyodong? Yeah, something like that. Did, did you, he was on Fighter and the Kid. Did you listen by oh, chance? Oh, I didn't. Him and Mikey liked, Musumeci? I would like to hear that. Because I haven't been on the Fighter and the Kid track for a while, Brennan Shaw, Me Brian either. Callen, but I just decided to listen to that because last week I was in need of a podcast. And, um, man, he's, first of all, I love what one is doing. Like, and that's sick that they're entering the States now. They're my favorite organization, hands down. By far, I enjoy them more than the UFC. Yeah. Yeah. Did I'm, you see the highlights from this card? I, I watched that card, didn't watch the UFC. Oh, I just, really? Yeah, I was all in for one. Damn. Yeah, the Rod Tang fight, Sam yeah. Fairtex. Yeah. yeah. I watched the UFC card. It was pretty decent, but yeah. Yeah. The, like, I seen the highlights from that, man. There's that guy in Robocop, too. He, he lost, but. He's apparently a guy coming up um, from Croatia. Um, Is he the guy that got elbowed when he threw yes. Africa? Yeah. He's he, a lot he was like a really knockouts. promising guy, like scariest guy out of the UFC. Hmm. And then, yeah, he just got knocked out. But yeah, Stamp did her thing. I seen, yeah, um, yeah, yeah, Rod Tang. Did you see that Rod Tang's terrifying. Nasty. It's crazy, those Thai guys, the experience they have. It's, it's, <clears throat> it's just like um, you know, a high-level black belt in jiu-jitsu where they're just seven steps ahead. Yeah. So Rod Tang catches the front kick. And he, he, he spins him and then he loads his liver shot. You know, sometimes like we'll fuck around with that. Yeah, yeah. Catch the front kick, you throw it, and then you throw the, the liver. He went to do that. And as he threw it, the other guy was going spinning elbow. You see in the slow-mo, Rod Tang just goes like this and block. And then boom, and just elbows him to death. Yeah, but yeah. it was like here, nope. And then mm. yeah. <laughs> it's like he literally just saw everything happen in slow motion. Yeah, you see his arm just block the spinning elbow and then his face is right there. That's what hundreds of fights gets oh, you, right? Oh, dude, I'm gets like... You superpower of slowing things down that's incredible like i love his little dance prior to fighting he's like moving his hips and stuff yeah, you know yeah, yeah. <laughs> um the, the ties i think they love putting on a show yeah like even um stamp fair text like her dance goal. always dude yeah. she always comes out to some tiktok dance yeah and she's just feeling herself man man one thing that's like inspiring about her is she's just has no nerves like she's when you see her dance and walk out and stuff there's no like awkwardness and like tenseness it's like no matter how big the crowd, she's just like born to do that, you know? Fighting since she was a toddler. That, I, I guess, again, that's like what it takes, Those right? TIE fighters, dude, yeah. they don't feel shit. It's yeah. like they're just, it's just a, it's a basketball game to them. Yeah. It's it's like, the, you know how like, um, yeah, like any other sport, they're competing every weekend. Yeah. They do the same thing. Yeah. It's just a fight. Yeah. Crazy, man. It's another day in the office. What an advantage that is over somebody. Like, let's say an American who fights two or three times a year, who just, you know, puts this whole event on a pedestal and yeah. it's such a big thing and you're going crazy backstage. These people, it's just like, hey, this is just life. Another day in the park. Yeah. 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 I wonder how they view, like, I, I've heard that. I just wonder how they view losses and wins. Like, you know, do they sit there and sulk? Like, I feel like a... A lot of, you know, people, I guess, just in North America, like we handle loss differently. We all say the things, you know, it's, you don't, you know, you win or you learn, but like, let's be honest. I think most North Americans, when you lose, it's a very hard pill to swallow for quite a while. It's really tough to overcome that, that devastation of a loss where I wonder in some of those other countries, especially in Thailand, where it's a way of life there, where they're like, get it next weekend. (laughs) I think it depends. I think it still stinks regardless. Yeah. You know, I seen like, I don't know, probably a year ago, Stamp had a title fight and uh, she lost. And I remember she was pretty devastated after. Yeah. And like they were showing backstage footage and the girl embraced her and she's like, oh, like I wanted to win so bad. And right. just because it sets you back so much if you're like running for a title. Right. But um, yeah, I think their perspective of it's certainly different because it's just about performance. You right. know, more so about performance. Yeah. Um, but I love... You know they were they were explaining the philosophy behind one's fighting championship scoring, and they're saying you know this whole ten point must system in the UFC it's just it's bullshit because I can you know kind of get points on you for the first couple rounds of the fight I'm up to, and then you whoop my ass the last round, you end up on top of me, and then I win because all rounds scored even. Right. 
but he said with the one philosophy, it's more of that schoolyard thing of, you know, I could be hitting you with jab crosses for five minutes and then at the end you take me down and you're on top of me swinging and the teacher pulls you off. It's like you beat me up. So that's how it is in one. It's So the last round is favored more? Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. That's way better. And, and it's how it should be. I mean, at the end of a fight, there's a story told in the last couple minutes and like you, you it, it has to be relevant. Right. You know, and... Um, I like that. And um, the other thing too with their scoring is... In the UFC, submission attempts count as things, but, you know, I could throw up a sloppy triangle or like have your arm in a Kimura, but I'm not really putting you in danger and that that might count as a submission attempt. Whereas in one, it seems like their judging is more sophisticated and you have to actually put them in danger. Like you can't just have an arm bar locked up. You have to have their arm fully straightened out and they have to be like struggling, panicking and barely Mm. slip out. For that to be considered like a submission right. attempt. So it's just, it seems a little bit more realistic. And I mean, yeah. with their weight cutting, with the IV testing, yeah. it seems like they're just a little more proactive and ahead of t- ahead of times than the UFC. Yeah. Because like with the UFC, man, so many of these old school rules and regulations from the athletic state commissions, it's almost like the dinosaurs of, hey, it was this way once. So that's just the way it is. Right. Whereas I like to see the innovation behind one and at least they're trying like i know chris cooper said that there was um there's a video of a doctor like um there's ways around the the hydration test that they're doing like there's ways that you can cheat them quite easily but at least they're like putting the effort in to be like hey we're gonna try to nip this weight cutting thing in the butt because people are clearly just having too much yeah i don't know a head trauma or just too many issues with weight cutting so at least they're like trying to be like progressive towards that and like make the changes necessary and it's taking care of the fighters too Dude, yeah, the bonuses he throws around yeah. is great. Yeah. And oh, I like man, I love it. And I love how they do the bonuses in the ring. Yeah. So like the guy doing the, yeah, like he hears it in the mic while he's interview interviewing the fighter at the end of the fight and it's like, "Oh, guess what? You just got $100,000." And I think you know, Rotten got 100k. Yeah. And they do like five bonuses. Yeah crazy yeah that mikey musumechi got one stamp got one rod tang i think they have the highest finish rate in, yeah. in uh, especially out of the ufc and bellator yeah they do they do and that's what they talked about on this podcast too they do and they have they have more of a global um ex- like exposure like more people watch it than the ufc if we're talking they globally. got the asian market that's for which sure. is crazy because people in the states they just think UFC is still the monopoly, but yeah. globally, that's not the case. Well, that Denver card probably just changed a few eyes or yeah. minds anyway. Because, yeah. I mean, for one, you got Mighty Mouse, which, yeah, of course, he's not like a massive draw in the U.S., but yeah. he's still a big name. Yeah. Rod Tang probably put a lot of people that watch that because anyone who's on social media and is a martial artist, you're seeing one championship post like crazy. Yeah. A lot of those are Rod Tang. Yeah. So like if you like striking, like watch one. He called your boy out after him. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That'd be a crazy fight. Haggerty's probably yeah. running. We lost to him twice already. Oh, they fought twice already. Twice. Damn. The first one, it could have went to Haggerty. It was yeah. a close fight. Yeah. Second time they fought, Haggerty got dropped to body shots. Ah, Rod Tang came for blood. And yeah, it's that's a scary matchup. He might be the biggest guy in Muay Thai right now, Rod Tang. Yeah. You know, like you think of like Bukau, Senachai. Right. Rod Tang's kind of doing his thing right now. Yeah. Yeah, um, I agree. And and one of the things that he does that stands him apart is he eats shots from people. Yeah. Like he, in multiple fights, yeah. he'll just drop his hands and he's like, fuck it. And then people will tee off on him and he like pretends to get wobbled and then he marches forward. How discouraging is that? That's like the Kimbo slice. You remember that classic backyard fight where he's like, hit me. Oh, hit yeah. Hit me yeah. and the guy yeah, hits him. KO'd or something. Yeah. And then, and then Kimbo starts fighting back. But he oh, like, does he eat the shots? He, Kimbo eats like two or three of this guy's full shots. Oh, and damn. you can see this guy. It's almost like in a video game. Yeah. Like his yeah. power level just goes down <laughs> after because he's like, oh my God. Confidence I'm fighting a demon. A hell of a thing, man. And that's the guy. Remember his eyeball is like yeah. popping out. He pretty much looked like Kimbo too. He's like right. the same type of dude. Yeah. Um, but anyways, just lastly, do you know much about that owner of one fighting championship? That sh- I, I just guy? I know he trains a lot. Like I know he's kind of like a lifelong martial artist, but I don't yeah. know much about him. So here's I don't know. He's got a cool story, and it makes it makes him and the organization more likable. I love Dana White. Like Dana White's the goat for the UFC. He's the best poster boy. He's doing his thing. Like that's awesome. But I love. It's almost like. A Conor McGregor type of a character versus a GSP type of character. Right. Um, this this versus the bad boss. Yeah, exactly. This Chachri guy, he's humble. He's a lifelong martial artist. I think he's a brown belt in jiu-jitsu. He's been training different martial arts since he was a kid. 
And um, his story is pretty cool. So he, he, he was a Harvard graduate. So he went to one of the most prestigious, you know, colleges out there, Harvard graduate. Um, he was just going the money direction. Like he was, his job, he was managing some like hundred million dollar hedge fund in New York or something. Mm. Harvard graduate, totally set financially. And he just wasn't happy, you know? And he's like, man, like this, this can't be it. So just, just like out of a movie, you know? So he wanted to do something with martial arts and bring martial arts to America. And, um, you know, just like anybody, he got rejected. He tried to get investors into it. Nobody's having it. Nobody's having it. You can't compete with the UFC. This is crazy. Yeah. That's a tough market to get into. eh? Like people hear your offer and they're like, how are you going to beat the UFC? Yeah. Like, what are you going to do differently? Yeah. Yeah. And so, and and that's kind of his niches, you know, he's more of martial arts as opposed to just MMA. So he likes to have the kickboxing matches, the Muay Thai, mm. bring jujitsu onto the main stage and, you know, do th- like he's down to be creative. It's not like black and white, right. like he'll do that mighty most type of a fight where it's like Muay Thai first round, that's MMA cool. second round. And, um, whatever, he eventually got on his feet and started doing his thing, but he, um, yeah, that's just pretty much it, you know. <laughs> he he had to. Yeah. I'm like, yeah, that. that's pretty much it. But it's just cool to hear yeah. him talk about it because it's like, it's that person that you know they have this passion, but because of their family and, and influence, it's like we're gonna go the money route and just take the business job and right. go to Harvard, you know, work in a financial institution. But he had that hunch of like, man, there's got to be more to life. Like, I want to do something with martial arts. I don't give a fuck about the money. I want to like do my passion, my hobby. And hmm. eventually came around and look at him now. Yeah. You know? And I wonder like, you know how long it takes to like turn a profit? Like, I, you know, I remember Dana White, like it, it sounded like it just takes so many years yeah. to actually like start to see profit. You know, it's, it's just yeah. dumping money into the business, yeah. like most businesses, but especially one like that paying these fighters a shitload of money like well that's the thing and not everybody can do that like that's probably the reason he was able to get this thing off the ground and running and pay people so good because you hear the pay is great because he had this you know this history of, of right. own having money and it um it kind of reminds me of the whole joe rogan philosophy of it's like okay let's start this business we're probably just going to take a loss but it's it's not about profit and money right. it's about like doing something for something i love yeah and, that's cool um, man I, I hope one just keeps doing their yeah. thing man i love seeing these other organizations do so well like even the bare knuckle fighting man i think that last event they did really well yeah you know yeah. having a guy like mike perry on there just yeah, being man. a dog and totally i think a lot of like usc fans tuned into that especially with the eddie alvarez chad totally, Mendes, you know and that's i, I realized after we did the last podcast that's got to be why Connor was there because Alvarez against Mendez, like Connor fought both those guys. It's right. interesting for him, you know. Yeah. Check this bare knuckle shit out. Yeah. Um, I saw a video that Dana White responded to Connor being there, but I didn't watch it. I wonder. Is, I, I would assume that he's probably just like, yeah, it's whatever. Like, he's a free guy. I yeah. Really I give a fuck. Yeah. You know. Yeah. They always make the the like the thumbnail look. You know, like Dana's all yeah. concerned, but and then you click on it, it's like, yeah, it's fine. Connor's a free guy. Fuck this culture, right? Dude, this clickbait culture. I know, man. Like on YouTube, that's all it is these days. Yeah, just some girl with huge tits. And then you click on just some guy doing an oil change. Yeah, and you're like, all right, man. Yeah, and not one of those oil changes, a real oil yeah, change. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and just one last thing on this shot tree guy. So he's he's like 50, 52 or something, and he just apparently like always wants to train he's just like a kid when he talks about martial arts mm. and it's cool it's like that's that's the kind of guy you should have behind this yeah. organization you know no like, shit. it's not some suit who you know is just trying to turn a profit right but that's cool yeah i don't know why i thought about this i, I was gonna bring it up last episode but um oh man i forget the guy's name i remember i hated his guts because i hated the san antonio spurs um, this was like back in the Tim Duncan day where it was like fundamentals 101 and they would beat everyone and I hated them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, I was going to say Tim Duncan, but that's... Yeah, it was like Tim Duncan and yeah, I forget some of the other guys, but I remember just, I couldn't stand them, but their their head coach, apparently he's like a, a, he's like a real foodie, like he loves really high quality food and he's a, he's kind of like a, what do they call it, like a wino? He loves wine, yeah. like high quality wine. He yeah. knows everything about wine. Like he'll smell it and tell you the aromas that are coming out and all the tastes, <laughs> yeah. you know, but one of the things that I liked and I, I remember we talked about having family dinner. Like I was like, I think I asked you if you, if your family like had family dinner every summer yeah. and you said, yeah, but your dad was like not always around just cause he's out trucking. Um, apparently there's like a lot of, maybe not a lot, but there are studies like linking, 
um, more substance abuse, depression, anxiety with, um, with people who didn't grow up with that. So something to do with like having a safe place to sit around with people you care about and trust, um, is linked to like less, um, yeah, substance abuse, depression, anxiety. Anyway, it's kind of like a family bonding thing. So this coach, a lot of the teams like in the NBA or NFL, whatever, they would be done playing the game and they would all disperse. They'd all just go do their own thing. This guy, he would pick very specific restaurants that they would go to and have team meals after. He would position the sofas, the chairs, the tables, everything in a, in a way that would um, amplify interactions. So it would like get people f- like, so that nobody was like feeling left out or like cut out of the conversation. Yeah. He would have like, yeah, very like specific wines brought out to people. He would have like, you know, everyone's favorite meal picked out. Like he knew his players so well that he's like, I think this guy's going to like this kind of wine. I think this guy's going to like this meal. And he would just like orchestrate these like really extravagant meals. And basically I was like watching this interview still to this day. Like if you, if you asked Tim Duncan, about that team that they won so many championships with. He's like, I'm still very close with every single person that played on that team to this day. He's like, we don't even play basketball anymore. He's like, I love those guys to death. And he's like, it was those meals. He's like, our coach knew how to like tap inside that like tribal team thing where he's like, he just brought us all together after the game. We'd mingle, he'd meet our wives and girlfriends and we'd like chit chat. And it was like this strong bond thing. And all it was, it's going out for a meal. Yeah. But yeah, it was orchestrated by this mastermind who is just like, I'm going to create like a really strong culture in this team, you know, and that's how he did it. Yeah. And then some, some coaches tried to steal that they tried to do it, but they didn't know anything about wine. They, they weren't foodies. So they kind of like forced it. Yeah. But the thing I was reading was like, you have to just find, maybe it's running. Maybe you fucking love running. And so every Sunday you take your team and you go for a run and that's your way to like interact and bond and like mm-hmm. build culture. Yeah. But yeah. I thought that was kind of cool. Just like a simple way to like build team camaraderie just by like taking them out to eat. Yeah. But with like intention behind it. Man, that's so true. That's something I wish I was a little better at. Like I'm not good at, um, I don't know, initiating more networking things like that like even just getting together with friends more and like having more bonding yeah like i've become so comfortable just doing my own thing and uh spending time by myself but it's like i understand and like i know that you know like hearing that about yeah creating that camaraderie and like making it a ritual almost because that's so true man like yeah I know it is tough. Like when I read that, I thought the same thing. I was like, man, I got to get like a running thing going, like something outside of just our usual training at MMAC. Like I would love for, I don't know, like, like that's why Boston pizza was so cool until like COVID just kind of slowed it down. We just don't do it anymore. But we used to go like, it was like once a month, we'd at least go to BPs and have the whole team there. Yeah. It's why I love when people have fights and you go there and you kind of yeah. like, you go to hotels together, you go to eat exactly, together. You're like, that's, I, I love that shit. That's one of the best things about when somebody's fighting is just like, it's just about the fighters and you just do everything together. You yeah. go for meals together, you hang out at the hotel together, you go to the pool together, yeah. you go to the weigh-ins together. Like something about that bonding, man. Yeah. It's, it's important, man. And I, I don't know if I've talked about this, but even like, I, it just reminded me of like Aaron and I going to Dominican, man. Like, fucking life you get busy man you just start doing shit and then when you have free time you just want to relax for once but then you never end up doing anything of quality with the person you care about where it's like in dominican we're just like yeah you have breakfast together you have lunch you go for walks like you have so much time to like connect and bond with each other but it it, you got to pay fifteen hundred dollars and go across the world to fucking do that yeah like but when you you can't you can't always do it here like it's tough yeah you know, see that that's the thing I think a lot of us struggle with is we want to get everything done so that we have this free time where we can do what we want to. But when we get that free time, we just fill it with more things. And, um, I, I think the way to do it is, is just like, yeah, work it into your schedule. So you're just always living instead of working for those moments to live. Yeah. But it's like easier said than done. That's just it, man. And I, did you hear Theo Vaughn? It was like a video that kind of went viral. He, he recently said something about, um, 
he was having one of his like emotional podcasts where he's just by yeah. himself. Yeah. But he's like, he's like, you know, like my life sometimes it just feels like I got one big to do list and I don't even think I made the to do list. He's like, I just feel like I'm just doing shit all the time and checking these things off the box. And he's like, I don't even know if I want to do the to do list and I don't even know who created it, but I feel compelled to do it. And I'm in this weird loop where like, that's just my life is just checking off boxes and doing shit all the time. Like, I feel like that's, is that what this life is? And he kind of went on this rant of like just doing this to-do list and always feeling like you need to do shit and check boxes off when half the time you're not even present during that. You're just thinking about the next thing to check off. And yeah, it was like an interesting moment of just like, I don't know, I feel like a lot of people can feel that where that's what their life is now is a big to-do list. Can you relate to that personally? Sometimes. You know what though? So yeah, go ahead and let the old dog go. I've been thinking about this and um, I definitely can relate to that, but I'm also, I've been very careful lately. It, 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 it reminds me again, going back to the marathon, like it's so important to find your pace so that you can last the marathon. And I think the pace that I have found right now is a really good pace, but I still struggle with that even at the pace that I'm at. Like I don't want to, I'm not a type of person that wants to be busy all the exactly. time. Yeah. I don't like that. I don't think that's a life for me. Yeah. I, I love to just be able to relax and like, yeah, we've talked about this, but like read, yeah. do a puzzle, go for a walk. Like yeah. I want time to do that. Yeah. If I don't have time to do that, not a life for me. And I'll, I'll hang up the gloves of whatever that thing is. Yeah. So like, I think it's super important for me to find that sweet spot, to find that pace, that six minute pace or five minute pace, whatever that pace yeah. is. But if you can find that, then life doesn't always feel like a to-do list. Yeah. Even if you have some things to do and you check certain things off a day, it's, you know, six tasks instead of 12 tasks. Exactly. And then it frees up free time for a couple hours here, a couple hours there, yeah. you know, a couple hours here. Yeah. Like right yeah. now, man, I, I, I really do. Like I love teaching the 6am class. I usually have three or four privates after. Yeah. And then, then I'm kind of just done work. Yeah. Like I'll go train and like read and yeah. make food and yeah. You know, I, I think, I think the reason you were able to find that pace for yourself is again, because of the whole van life where you took everything out of the equation and you slowed your pace to pretty much nothing like walking the, pace you, you were done your privates and stuff by like 10 10 a.m you know you had done like three privates all you have left to do is train and then you'd just like write read go for walks yeah and that like it was a very slow pace and now yeah. you do more yeah but i think being able to find that slow pace and just slow everything down in life like you know yeah step back in order to leap forward yeah like man. i needed that yeah. step back to even just find the pace you yeah. know and man i yeah when theo said that i'm like i definitely have felt that before yeah. strongly yeah. but now i feel like if i were to look at my to-do list it's it's all shit that i genuinely would like to do like i want to be on the max teaching <laughs> yeah. you know i want to yeah. prep for a marathon i want to walk layla i want to do all this yeah. shit aaron and i are working on a dance right now by the way too really yeah it's kind of <laughs> cool for social media or what? No. Well, we're probably going to post it. But no, just for like, we just, were, it was like a date night. Yeah. And so she she found like a cool, um, of course, it's like a wedding dance. But um, it's a really cool dance. It was like perfect, yeah. perfect challenge for me. Yeah. Where it's like, yeah, it's just like a little couple's dance. Not like a shuffle step one. It's like kind of like more of like a romantic one. Nice. So even like that, man, <laughs> I was thinking like when we were done, I was like, now I see why people like to dance so much, like with their significant other, because like you really do like connect without words. Yeah. You kind of just feel the body, feel the movement. You kind of have little smiles and chuckles while you're doing it. And mm. you're like some, every now and then you'll like get in perfect rhythm with each other. Like there's all these like cool little spins and yeah. it's fun, man. So even just doing shit like that, like yeah. putting time aside from your fucking to-do list yeah. and do something that like, I don't know, is, is, is not part of the to-do list. Do something for fun or out of love or whatever. I suck at that, but I try. Well, it's like that classic thing of if you want to feel different things in your life or you want different things in your life, you have to do different things. Right. And, it, you know, doing a dance like that, you're going to feel new feelings. You're going to have new laughs. You're going to have new moments because it's something out of the norm that you're doing. Yeah. So you're creating these new experiences. And I think that, like, 
blossoms new feelings and sparks different things that you wouldn't get otherwise doing the same shit. Right. And that's something I'm honestly like pretty fucking terrible at. Like getting in that routine and not doing new things. and Bro, it's it's like Aaron and I too. Like we, we wanted to go on a date every two weeks and fucking, you know, we miss a bunch of weeks, man. And yeah. we're like, how do we not, how do we not put each other first? Yeah. Like we'll put everything else that we do in life first yeah. and we're just on the fucking back burner. Yeah. And I'm saying this now, but it's like, yeah, she's going to listen to this and be like, yeah, well, fucking I agree. Like, I think most people doing. relate to that. Most people, man. man even even these last like two weekends, I was like, okay, hey, let's do like, just to get over the house one evening on the weekend, like let's go to the driving range or let's go see a movie something. And it's like, things get busy. And next thing you know, it's 8 PM on Friday and you're like, just let's relax. just sit on the couch. Like yeah. I'm, I need to eat still. Like, yeah. let's just relax. You know? Yeah. And it's like, fuck man. So many people I think nowadays can relate yeah. to that. And the thing with Theo Vaughn's whole list thing that I think is so relatable is like, for example, today, I, I have a lot going on today. I have a really busy day just because, you know, I want to get my workouts in. We've moved the podcast to today. I had, I had business. It's Monday. And because I will prioritize things like, okay, of course, I'm going to take the dog for a walk. You know, of course, I'm going to work out. I have these non-negotiables. A couple of the, you know, work-related tasks I was going to do today that didn't have to get done today, but should be done within the next couple of days are getting pushed back to tomorrow. So now like tomorrow was a manageable day, but now I have like three extra priorities I have to take care of and now tomorrow's already busy. So when tomorrow comes, if I get an unexpected phone call or I take the dog on a little longer of a walk or whatever, I'll probably have to push a couple of things back to Wednesday, right. which was a manageable day, but now Wednesday is busy. And it's like, it's like this rat race. The cycle continues. Yeah. It's like trying to get ahead of the task list, you know? And like, and there's the fine balance. That's why humans are so complicated because you, I, I really think that we need some kind of purpose. We need some kind of goal. We need a mission. We need to be busy. Like, like I said, when we went to Dominican, like I can't, seven days is too much of doing nothing. Yeah. Like we do need to do something. You do need a to-do list. You need to do something. Yeah. Like you're going to go stir crazy, get depressed and anxious and just become nothing. You'll be a, a fraction of what your potential is. But there's that fine line of like how much do you push and everybody's pace is different. Yeah. Like exactly. some people are just like a million things on a to-do list. They're just go, go, go. No time to chill. If you chill, you're a pussy. Like I saw that. <laughs> Who's that? Ben Benthal? What's his name? That actor. Um, he's in, uh, he was in Fury, not Brad Pitt, but another guy, yeah. um, something, he was, God damn, you know what I'm talking ben about? Ben Affleck? Ben, no. Ben Stiller? No. Anyway, I saw a video of him. He was like, he's like, man, I don't take, I don't, I don't trust people who take naps. And I was like, go fuck yourself then. <laughs> I take naps <laughs> and I'll beat the shit out of you. How about that? Like, I just was like, man, is that our culture? Like, and, and whatever, it's his opinion. I kind of like laughed at it. But in my head, I'm like, bro, like take a goddamn nap. You know, what, like, what if you're tired? You can have another bro, that's, coffee, that's another the, Adderall. That's the culture we're in. Like Drake has a lyric. It's like me and the money are way too attached right. to go and do naps or right, something. Right. It's yeah. like, it's just like, hey, too much to do. If you have, if you, if you have a nap, you're unproductive. Right. But, but that's his pace. Like he's a, yeah. like, look at him. He's got a, a an empire under yeah. him because of his pace. He probably found his groove. He's like, yeah. oh man, like I'm on a roll. Let's keep this snowball going. Yeah. Where I see that lifestyle, and I'm like, no. Yeah. I want to take a nap and work on a puzzle today. How about that? Yeah. So so how without getting too personal, how is Aaron? Like, was seven days too long for her too? Or I was think that, so. Yeah. Yeah. She, she is probably, I'd say like business wise, she's probably a little more driven than me in some, in some ways. Um, I'm very driven physically. Yeah. Like my physical push, like I'm, I'm a workhorse in that regard. Like I'm always holding pads. I'm trying to run. I'm trying to lift weights. I'm trying to train like that part I I have on lockdown. Yeah. But, um, it's just as far as like always trying to create new things. Like I think her brain maybe at least right now she might discover again, she's in her twenties. Like sometimes in your twenties, like it's just trial and error. Maybe she's still like trying to develop and find that that perfect pace yeah like sometimes when you're younger you bite off more than you can chew and then you have to step back and be like that's just not like my pace. just like you did yeah 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 like starting an online thing and i'm like oh that's too much i don't like that it didn't make me feel good <laughs> yeah you know so yeah but because he me and natalia 
I'm the same as you where a vacation can seem too long quite quickly. And like, I need that vacation like anybody, but she's the type I think could go somewhere for three weeks and just lay on the beach every day. Mm. Whereas like I would start to get anxiety. Right. But, um, I mean, yeah, at the end of the day, the bottom line is with our culture, we just, we put ourselves last man. Yeah. You know, like I will run around doing stuff for everybody else, making sure everything's taken care of just at the end of the night. So I can like sit down shove some food down my stomach and just hit the pillow. You know, it's like yeah. we have to, and it's like, I've, I've put myself in a position where I don't have to do that. Like I'm pretty comfortable financially. I've, I've acquired all these things. You think when you get that, you get to just relax and enjoy it a bit, but Stop. you have to, you have to work hard to create Maintain. that life for yourself where you can, well, you don't know. You don't have to work hard. You have to do the opposite. You have to just fucking step back. Yeah. Work smarter or something. Like once you build a certain... Set more boundaries. I don't know. But it, but it's it's kind of that classic race thing, you know? It's like you think once you get the thing, you just feel like, hey, I can enjoy it. And like your schedule's free and you're right. like living this luxurious life. But it's just not how it works. Well, it's like you were saying, like, you know, we were talking about gamifying. And if you gamify money, the game is to make more money. And But you don't even know if you're, like, playing that game. Yeah. Like, maybe you don't like playing Call of Duty. Change yeah. the game up. Yeah. But it's like you're going fucking hard on this one particular game thinking you're winning, but you're miserable trying to win the game. Yeah. You know, you won this game, but this game of life, you're like, oh, I yeah. ended up kind of depressed, but I got a million dollars. I think the biggest thing, and this is something I've been good at, is when people play the money game and they get more money and they buy more things and then they have to work harder to pay off these bigger things. I've been pretty good at, you know, keeping my spending modest so I can actually like accumulate, you know, comfort money where I don't have plans of just spending it. But, um, yeah, life is, life is a tricky game. You have to navigate and you have to try to think like, what what do I really want? Like what's, what's the best life for me? Because things change quick, you know, and you don't want to be that guy that, busted your ass until you're 50 and then right when you want to actually chill like some some health problems come or some big life changes come you know yeah that's the thing i remember like adam adam lorenz would always say that like to certain clients of his because like some of the clients i think a lot of their stress came from their work or like their their work-life balance and he would sometimes bring me up when i was living in the van and he's like look there are there are other options there are other ways of living like you, you know i'm just picturing like um, someone who teaches surfing lessons on a beach, like their stress level, like where would it be at compared to someone who makes a lot of money and wears a suit every day and, you know, drives around in a big city, you know, they might love it, but like there are different ways. You don't just have to follow suit. So I think it just, yeah, everyone's got to find their, their little groove or their game to play. And I think it's one of those things too. It's, you may say you love that New York lifestyle of, you know, busy, busy, jump out of bed, you're on the phone, you're making deals, you're in your office. You, you may say you like that, but I think if anything, it's more, it's normal to you, you're used to that, so it's comfortable. But I think deep down, you'll eventually hit that, you know, you'll redline and you'll hit that place where you're like, I need to step back. I don't think it's sustainable. Yeah, George St. Pierre, man, he's on full send. And yeah, he, t- he talked about that too. Like he didn't even like fighting. Yeah. He was good at it. He used it as a big shiny thing to just yeah. excel at it and get all this money. But through that, then he can start starting other businesses. He can date the women he wants. He can do, he can travel the world. He can meet all these people. He can, it allowed him to do the things that he wants to do. But look at his lifestyle now, man. I'm like, bro, this guy's living it now. Yeah, he's living, man. But he hated fighting. He yeah. said it was the worst part of his whole career was yeah. the actual fighting part. Crazy, right? Hated it. Yeah. But now look, look at the life. So sometimes you got to, you got to play a game you don't like if you trust the process and you really believe that you could do something. Maybe you do have to, you know, whatever, work the stock market for a while or like live that rat race. But usually people develop the habits of that and then they can't get out of it. Yeah. That's like the problem. That's the thing. I think you have to grind and put your nose in the sand and eat some shit and do the thing you don't love for a while to get that freedom. And at the end of the day, it's like we're, we're all responsible for our lives. We all, there's no excuses. We can find a way to make it work. Yeah. You're too busy. You're too stressed. Take a step back. You know, you might be ridiculed. You might disappoint some people. You have control to do that and make your life more enjoyable for yourself. Or like maybe you just have shit going on for you and you do nothing all day. You got to get your ass up and do something. Like we all have to do it. There's no complaining. It's like, just, just, what yeah. do you want? Finding what you want. You know what yeah. I mean? Yeah. 
Well, where, where are we at? We're done. Okay. That's where all the energy just drained right there. <laughs> Can I private to go to? Yeah, what do you got? Just one more thing really yeah. quick. If you ever are checking out YouTube videos, there's this guy, Anatoly. He does gym pranks. Have you heard of him? Uh, no. Is he the guy that is super strong? And like, yeah, I'm assuming. Yeah. yeah. And, and he's, he's like in a janitor's clothes. Yes. Yeah, yeah. Bro. I've been, I've been watching him. Very intense. While, yeah. This guy walks around like a nerd janitor wearing these coveralls. And he doesn't look that thick, but he lifts freakish weight yeah. easily. Yeah. And again, we just love seeing people's genuine reactions to like being shocked and being like, what's happening yeah. here? They're, they're so entertaining. Yeah. He'll, he'll walk up and be like, do, do you mind if I, I try? I try. And he, sometimes he'll be dressed as an old man as a janitor. Okay. So he'll put wrinkles on his face and like oh, he'll do yeah. it all the way. And so the guy's like, bro, no, like your knees are going to blow out. He's like, let me just try it. Yeah. And he, he he'll like fumble off. like 10 pound weights and they're like, no, you're yeah. not going to lift 700 pounds. Yeah. And he'll put like 800 pounds on his back and he's like shaking with wobbly legs <laughs> yeah. and slowly lowers it. And these people are like, holy shit. And then he just starts like repping it no, crazy like, they, the one guy just starts to laugh and he's like yeah. bro like what the fuck man i love to see people's reactions that's yeah. so entertaining that's cool but anyways we'll kick it off there a bit of a late podcast today but yeah here yeah. we are episode 108 thanks for listening